You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. Two items of business before we get to your calls. First of all, I have the swine flu, um, so I am putting the tech-heavy at-risk youth at risk, at greater risk than they arrived at because they're already at-risk youth. Now they're at risk of more than they were before. And you, if uh, the swine flu is communicable through the eardrums, you are, uh, you are in grave danger of contracting the swine flu from me. I feel hip. Rachel Maddow had it. Now I have it. You know, all the A-gays or whatever gays we are are going to get it. The other thing... David Letterman. I feel like I have to say something, even though I don't really have much to say other than, yeah, and dot, dot, dot. How many times do we have to watch this whole drama unfold? How many times do we have to sit around sucking our thumbs going, why do people cheat before we just accept that people cheat because people are people? And cheating isn't some aberration, some betrayal of our fundamental humanity. Cheating is evidence of our fundamental humanity. And maybe the problem isn't David Letterman's inability to keep it in his pants, John Ensign's inability to keep it in his pants, Bill Clinton's inability to keep it in his pants, Elliot Spitzer's inability to keep it in his pants, John Edwards' inability to keep it in his pants. Maybe the problem is the expectation that people are supposed to go decades uh, in long-term relationships uh, and limit themselves to just one sex partner. And it's easier for someone who is in a position of power, uh, of course, to and, you know and has a lot of money and access and, and you know the means and the motive to get away with it until they get blackmailed or outed. Uh, but you know when you think about it, you think about all these high-profile guys who stumble out of the monogamy closet, who come tumbling out as uh, cheaters and adulterers and non-monogamous, and you and people go, God, what's wrong with these guys? And they never seem to go, what's wrong with guys? We know about these guys because they got caught. We know about these guys because they made the drudge report. You know, when the dentist down the street gets caught cheating on the wife, doesn't make the drudge report, right? So you get the, this, the, this impression that cheating is just this affliction of the, the rich and powerful. No, we only hear about it when the rich and powerful and usually the dudes do it because we don't talk about the poor and powerless when they cheat, even though – we know they cheat because a lot of us are the poor and powerless and we cheat or have cheated or have been cheated on. We know it happens regularly, constantly, all the fucking time. And yet we always feel like we have to react to it as if it's this huge new story that tells us something we didn't know about men and women and sex when someone like a David Letterman cheats. Grow up, America. Monogamy. The monogamous expectation is the problem, which is not to say that guys should violate the commitments that they've made. I believe that if you make a monogamous commitment, you should do your level best to keep it. I also believe that if, you know, over the course of a five decade long relationship or marriage in which you've made a monogamous commitment, you only cheat once or twice, you were actually pretty good at being monogamous, not terrible at it, actually pretty good at it. It's that hard. So I don't think that people should get, you know, get out of infidelity free cards, whether they're David Letterman or the dentist down the street. But I really do think we need to recalibrate our expectations. Uh, at the very least, we need to stop feigning shock every time this we go through this fucking uh, adultery show because it's going to keep happening.
it's going to go on forever because it's part of who we are as humans. This episode is brought to you by adamandeve.com where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item plus three adult DVDs plus an extra gift plus free shipping, visit adamandeve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hi, Dan. I have a question because I always hear you talking to married men who are in sexless marriages and that you think that they deserve, as I, as I believe, you know, sex in their lives and, a, and, and maybe keeping a piece on the side or something on the side that, that allows them to have that. And I, I totally agree with you. But I was wondering if you have any advice for the woman or woman who happens, or women or woman who happens to be that sort of piece on the side. Um, my boyfriend and I have a very dear friend who's hopelessly in love with a married man and um, and who claims to be in love with her. It's been going on for three years, and um, he says his marriage is loveless and sexless, but they have two children, and um, but our friend, um, we think, deserves, you know, a future with, um, with her own children, and um, he doesn't. He talks about leaving his wife, but makes no real efforts to. Um, other than talking to her, I know that's kind of cliche, but um, I don't know. What do you tell your friend in that situation? Um, do you just say get out of it, or and if she doesn't, what do you do? Advice for the piece on the side for the woman, the third, the extra. Uh, Piece of advice number one, don't fall hopelessly in love. Oh, too late. Too late for your friend. She's fallen hopelessly in love. Uh, don't date married guys who talk about maybe leaving their wives. Oh, too late. She's in love with a married guy who talks about maybe leaving their wives. Uh, a good rule for the third, if you want to be something more than the, the spare, the third, the piece on the side, is uh, to date guys who've left their wives or are leaving their wives or are separated already or filed the divorce papers already, have already moved out. Or to date married guys without becoming emotionally attached to them. Your friend needs to, you know, if she really wants to be with this guy and have kids of her own and, and marry him and she can pry him out of uh, the marriage, the only incentive she has, uh, the only thing she can offer, the only leverage is uh, future access to her pussy. So what she needs to do, sorry, it's the Theraflu talking there. What she needs to do is go to him and say, I love you, you love me, you're in a sexless, loveless marriage, you have two kids, this all sucks, here's the deal. I'm not going to see you anymore, it's over. If you want to be with me, you can be with me, but this is too painful because I love you and this isn't working out for me anymore. So it's over unless you leave the wife for real. No more chatting about leaving the wife, no more speculating about leaving the wife. A married guy who's fucking somebody on the side who talks about maybe leaving his wife is like – is a cliche like the, the the guy who talks to his girlfriend about who desperately wants to get married about maybe proposing someday and just keeps kicking that can down the road eventually the girlfriend or the piece on the side has to call the bluff call the question and say you want me here's what you got here's the bar you have to clear if you can't clear this bar i'm out it's over that's what your friend's got to do. That's her only option at this point. She may think and what you can tell her she may believe uh, that she'll never feel the way she feels about this guy, about anybody else. Uh, that is 
loves irrationality talking. Uh, there may be other guys out there that she could become as passionately attached to uh, if she were single and available and looking and making herself available to other guys who are not married and not uh, lying pieces of shit. Hi, Dan. I am calling because I'm hoping that you can either offer some advice or some resources to help me weigh the pros and cons of having sex with a married guy. Um, the story briefly is that I posted this um, smutty ad on Craigslist asking people to write to me while I was at work, some kind of sexy emails, and um, it turned out to be super fun, and I would highly recommend that exercise for anyone who's kind of bored at their job, as long as you encourage people to use proper grammar. Um, so anyway, in the responses, one person stood out, and we started this kind of frantic correspondence in it has been incredibly, incredibly hot. And we met um, once in Seattle and then again in my town, which is kind of far away from Seattle. And that second time, he kind of laid it out all, all out on the table and I learned that he is married with a kid, which I sort of knew already, but no, we hadn't just spelled the situation out yet. Um, and yeah, I'm just trying to figure it out, how I feel about it ethically. His relationship with his wife, he says, he describes as routine and um, says they have really separate lives and he feels like they are wonderful parents, but that's kind of the extent of um, of their relationship, I guess. And they don't have sex, really, or very infrequently, I guess. And he feels like whatever is going on between the two of us doesn't interfere, interfere with his life with her and with his son. Um, I live far away, so us actually seeing each other would be very infrequent, um, but we do spend a lot of time emailing and uh, text messaging and stuff. So that's the story. It's crazy, crazy hot, and I'm having a fabulous time, except for this ethical quandary. If you can point me in a good direction, I'd appreciate it. Thanks. Fuck him. I think this is a perfect setup. Uh, if everything he says is true and, and, you know, you have to use your best judgment, you, you know, obviously he's lying to somebody. He's probably lying to the wife. So he has some skills in that department, but you can use your best judgment to assess whether he's being truthful f with you and whether or not there's a hundred of you in a hundred different cities or a hundred of you in the city where he lives. But if by fulfilling his need for some sexual adventure and sexual excitement and sexual release, you make it possible for this guy to stay with his wife, to be co-parent uh, to this child, to, to provide this child with uh, an unbroken home. And who knows, maybe if he hangs out long enough uh, and sticks it out long enough and, and you're part of what makes that possible, maybe five years, ten years down the road or sooner even perhaps – he and his wife will reconnect sexually and then he won't need you anymore. Uh, that's all possible. And again, you know what I said to the last caller, don't fall in love with the douchebag. If he starts talking about divorce to keep you on the hook, if you find a boyfriend and want to move on and he starts then hinting that maybe he'll leave the wife because he loves you so much, but he's got to think about it for 18 years, then you shouldn't see him at all. But the fact that you're out of town and this is going to be something very occasional, something that he can look forward to and live in hope and not be filled with despair and resentment that'll, you know, uh, come bursting out at the wife in inappropriate moments. Uh, I think that's a good setup for this sort of contingency, which is really what this is. This is a contingency that a lot of people who are in 
marriages where the sex part breaks down uh, resort to. And a lot of marriages are saved by this sort of contingency. And I know you're supposed to, when you're in my role, say, oh, bad, bad, cheating is always bad. You know what? Sometimes cheating is the less evil option. Sometimes cheating is the the better of the choices between you know divorce and penury. A lot of people, when they divorce, it, it creates real economic hardships for both parties, for the husband and the wife and the child or children. And I just don't think that if a married couple can stay together and be civil and pleasant and they have a good working partnership and there's no sex and that they can both or one of them can get whatever release they need on the side to stay pleasant and content in that marriage, that that is necessarily the worst choice than uh, divorce might be uh, in all situations. So fuck him. Fuck the shit out of him every once in a great while uh, and stop fucking him the instant he hints that he might get divorced if you're seeing someone else. Looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. You'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. There's more. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free extra gift plus free shipping on your entire order. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. That's adamandeve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Uh, hey, Dan. I recently ran into a situation with my girlfriend of a year and a half. I have a much higher libido than she has, and this isn't usually an issue. I mean, we have a fairly active sex life. It works. But, um, you know, sometimes I just want to get off, and she doesn't. So I've been going to this website, uh, Babble Sex, which is kind of like a Facebook for sexing. Um, mostly just looking at pictures that girls post of themselves, you know, competent, not known, that sort of thing. And she recently went through my history, found that, and somehow construed it as cheating or something. Uh, I just, I would like to know your opinion on this sort of situation. Uh, was I in the wrong? Is this cheating? Uh, how do I make her see my point of view? Uh, that sort of thing. So what does the girlfriend propose you do with excess sexual energy when she's not up for it and you are and you're horny and your libido's higher? What does she expect you to do about that? Uh, there really isn't any kind of proposal on the, on the table there. And I mean, I guess porn is okay, uh, so long as it's not amateur porn of people taking it of themselves. Uh-huh. So what her objection was by going to this particular website, you're not just looking at pictures of naked ladies, you are able to communicate with the naked ladies whose pictures you're looking at. Yeah, I suppose. And she considers that cheating, because you're having sort of this bank shot interaction with another live human being and not just looking at Sasha Gray getting nailed in all holes. Right. All right, well, that that's a, you know, not a completely irrational objection. It's not like she's saying masturbating is cheating or looking at pictures of naked ladies is cheating. What tweaks your insecurities is you're looking at pictures of naked ladies that you ultimately could land in bed with. You know, if you were so inclined, you could run off and meet one of these sluts, right? Yeah, you know, no, no, you're right. You're right. It's not entirely irrational. So it feels like you could accommodate her insecurity perhaps by, you know, going online when you need to, beating off when you need to, looking at as much porn as you like, just porn that, uh, you know, just not this particular website, Babble Sex, or other websites where, you know, there's 
a communication that could happen or an interaction that could happen or an attachment that could develop. That's what makes her feel insecure, right? Right, right. And is that a limitation you're willing to place on yourself so long as you're with this woman? Because, you know, I hear from guys all the time whose girlfriends have lower libidos or no libido who want their boyfriends not to masturbate, never to masturbate, never to look at porn, never to look at anybody but her, but she doesn't want to fuck him. Like, and that's insane. Yeah. Right? Like, marrying, you know, being with someone is not, you're not, like, giving them your genitals in a jar and they decide when they let your dick out for the rest <laughs> of your life. And But it sounds like she's not, you know, I, I disagree. I think that you should be able to go to babble sex. If, you know, you were my uh, boyfriend, I wouldn't have a problem with that kind of interaction. Uh, but you have to decide if she's worth making an accommodation for and setting a certain limit for. Is she worth it? Yeah. For going this one particular website, is she worth it? Yeah. Then don't go to that particular website if it bothers her that much. Or tell her you're not going to go to that particular website if it bothers her that much, and then do a better job of covering your tracks. (laughs) Fair enough. Hi, Jim. This is a 21-year-old straight female from Chicago, and I actually have a really simple question. So... (laughs) I'm wondering if it's safe for a guy to stick his dick back in your vagina after you've had anal sex and then switching back and forth. You know, is it is it safe? Can I make it safe? I don't know. I mean, of course, I mean, it happened in porn, but that doesn't really speak to whether it's safe or not. Um, yeah, so is this a no-go or can I go ahead and do this? There are all sorts of germs and bacteria in your ass that you really don't want to introduce into your vaginal canal where they can grow and multiply and annoy and irritate and send you running to the doctor uh, with a very sad story to tell. Uh, If you're going to have anal and vaginal intercourse all at once, if you want to shift back and forth, he needs to put a condom on for anal. And then when he pulls out, he needs to take that condom off and put a fresh and clean condom on before he introduces himself into your vaginal canal. If you don't use condoms for vaginal intercourse, if you have an IUD or you're on the pill, he can put a condom on for the anal part of the program and then rip that condom off for the vaginal part of the program. Uh, but then he needs to put a condom back on perhaps for the uh, anal. If he's going to go back to anal and then back to vaginal, the condoms need to go on and off, on and off, on and off all night long. What you're doing is risky and stupid and kind of obvious, really. I mean, when you think about it, you know, there's an, your, your ass isn't covered in shit all the time, but bacteria, you know, bacteria, germs, la la la, you might not want those in your twat. Come on, don't be a tard. Uh, hi, Dan. I'm a 28-year-old bi guy, and uh, I have a question about double penetration. Um, so as a bi guy, I can't think of anything hotter than... Uh, fucking a pussy and rubbing balls with another dude at the same time. Uh, so lucky for me, I'm in this awesome relationship with my girlfriend of almost three years. And uh, as it turns out, she's totally into this too. So it looks like uh, this is something that we might be able to make happen. The thing is, she's always seemed kind of reluctant about opening our relationship up. Whenever we talk about threesomes or other people or whatever, she always says that to her hooking up with someone else is kind of like cheating. So she sends these, mess- these, these, these messages, these signals, I guess, especially if we're talking with like friends or with other people or something that, you know, she's really not into it and it's just two people. Um, that being said, she also said that this is a fantasy of hers and she wants to act it out. And we've, you know, we've hooked up with another couple before, we've hooked up with other people before, and it's been, uh, you know, nothing special, but kind of all right. Um, so 
anyways, my question is, uh, do you have any advice on how to make this work? How can I make my girlfriend more comfortable with this? Um, I kind of don't want to leave this as a, as a situation where I'm asking her to, you know, set all the rules and boundaries and do too much work in the planning because the kind of girl she is, like, she doesn't like being the one who has to initiate and plan at all. You know, she she likes when I kind of force myself on her and don't take no for an answer. And, you know, I'm the one who kind of uh, arranges all this shit. So, um, yeah, uh, if you have any advice on how to make this work so that it'd be comfortable for her and a good experience for everybody, then that would be awesome. Um, kind of related question. I'm kind of wondering what kind of guys are into this. Um, I imagine that it would only be, you know, bisexual guys. Cause I can't see how you can enjoy grinding dicks with another dude and still call yourself straight. But, uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. So any insight as to what kind of people are into double penetration and any advice on how to make that work with my girlfriend would be awesome. Okay. Uh, one point of clarification after listening to your call. Uh, so the girlfriend thinks a three way is cheating, but you guys have messed around with other couples. So you've had four ways and those aren't cheating. Three and four. And it's always great in the middle of it. And then the next day the regret comes. Uh huh. Yeah. So she's obviously got, uh, hangups. Uh, she, her sexual appetites don't line up with what she's convinced herself she believes about sex. So what she's capable of doesn't jive with what she believes she should want. She believes that sex should be the special loving connection between two people and just two people, and yet she desires to do these crazy off-the-hook things, double penetration in three ways and four ways. Yeah, that that's, sounds pretty right. <laughs> and it sounds like she's really successfully shifted responsibility for her actions onto your shoulders because you're supposed to set these things up and sort of she hints or gives you a consent and then with you know withdraws her consent and then wants you to force these things on her and when they happen she's loving them and afterwards she kind of blames you yeah not that far i wouldn't say there's blame it's more the regret and i just uh i mean yeah you're right with the first part it is kind of all my job to set it all up and I don't mind doing that. I just kind of don't know how to do that while preventing the regret the next day. Well, there, you may, there may be nothing you can do about the regret. You know, that just might be part of her little kabuki sex theater dance where right. she needs to purge whatever feelings of, uh, you know, shock or discomfort uh, she has the next day uh, by, you know, sort of going, oh, God, I wish I didn't do that. Just like somebody who, you know, has a few beers every once in a while, has the hangover and swears they're never going to drink again because, you know, alcohol makes them happy, and then next Friday night they're out having beers again, right? Right. And you can just turn it, you can, you can not listen when she does that, or you can playfully, gently remind her when she goes through the regrets that you've heard this song and dance before and that she really does like it, and she needs to one day bring these two sides of herself together. And get over right. it. How old is the girlfriend, roughly? 25. Okay, so she's still sort of probably working through a lot of uh, shit that was pounded into her sex as a child, really, attitudes that she was raised with uh, that don't match up with where her libido takes her. And ultimately, the libido wins. So perhaps a few more years of this and the regret dance will be done. Oh, good. That's good news. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I've seen that happen with other people and other couples I know, where they end up going off into sort of a sexually adventurous territory, and they're both really enjoying it, but one has reservations and does the whole regret dance, and then they, that person gradually realizes that the, the sexual adventures they're having together does, that doesn't mean they love each other any less. It actually is proof that they love e that their connection is as strong as they had hoped it would be. Blah blah blah, and they get the fuck over it. Um, right. I would encourage you to sort of playfully call her on her bullshit 
that you know when you're fantasizing about these things and discussing them, you know, obtain her permission in advance. When you know when she fantasizes about double penetration, you should playfully say to her in a sexy way at those moments, "I'm going to set this up. I'm going to find that dude, and one day you're going to come home and he's going to be here, and we're going to do this, and then set it up and have the dude there. But then you have to at that moment that the dude's there." And, you know, make sure it's a dude that she's into and that she would like to be there. At every step of the way, she has to, you have to tell her she can back out. You have to tell, you know, it's sort of, you can present it as I'm forcing this on you while also giving somebody the escape button, you know, where you can say, we're going to do this. And you guys are rolling around and say, we're going to do this. You have to tell me you want it. You want it, don't you? You right. want it. You can obtain consent sexy over and over and over again at every step of the way while you force this thing on her. And if at any point she says, you know, I'm chickening out, then stop it. Drop it. Right. Because you don't want to end up going someplace that she really regrets or feels violated. And you went there because you were tripped up by this you know, bullshit routine that she made you do where you were supposed to force yourself on her. And then some, you know, maybe you'll go too far one day and you'll force yourself on her, quote unquote, in a way that she wasn't comfortable with and you couldn't tell the difference. You need to, for your own protection, for your own, you know, sanity, obtain consent from her again and again and again and again, even when you're doing this, uh, presenting her with a, you know, double penetration fait accompli. So I guess what you're saying is, I mean, you know, because right now you're talking about before the disconnect, before between what, you know, she wants to do in the heat of it all and then what she wants to do later on when she has a chance to think about it. You think I should just wait a little bit and, and see until that works out? Or is this kind of my job to, to, to nudge us there? I think it's your job to nudge her there because that's clearly where she wants to be. But yeah. you need to call her on it. You need to say when she does the regret thing, you need to say, that was really fun. I feel really more connected to you. We had a blast. Uh, our sex life together is supposed to be this this great adventure that we're on. That was really fulfilling. You had a really good time. Um, you need to not let her sort of spiral down into regret land. You need to buck her up a little bit at those moments. Right. Um, and right. without without apologizing for it. Because you don't want to put yourself into a situation where you're making her fantasies come true, and then she's shifting all blame to you for these things having happened. Which is why I think at every right. step of the way you need to reobtain, reobtain, reobtain in a sexy way her consent at every step, so that if she right. goes, "Oh my God, why did we do that?" Like we did that because you wanted to. We did that because it turned you on too. Don't you remember saying yes at this point, this point, this point, this point, this point, this point, and this point? And then she says, "Yes, I remember." Say, well then, stop beating yourself up about it. Our sex life is yeah. supposed to be f- mutually fulfilling and fun, and that was mutually fulfilling and fun. We're doing everything right. Okay, awesome. That sounds good. And uh, as for the guys who will do this, you know, yeah. <laughs> why, why would a straight guy want to uh, rub dicks with a woman, <laughs> the thin tissue of a woman in between his dick and your dick? Uh, some straight guys <laughs> want to do that because they want to have a nearly bisexual experience and still be able to identify as straight, and they're not uh, comfortable enough yet. Or they really are straight, but just into double penetration. And, you know, there are straight guys who are secure enough that they can accidentally bump hard dicks with another guy who is bi or straight without being shattered by it. There's nothing, you know, closety gay or necessarily even closety bi about spit roasting a hot girl or double penetrating necessarily a hot girl. Just because somebody can respond sexually in a situation where there's another dude present doesn't mean he's anything less than straight necessarily. Okay. Okay. Yep. Uh, Good luck. Sounds like you guys are having fun. Oh, yeah, we are. All right, thanks a lot. Sure thing. Bye.
Hey, Dan, it's Joey. Um, I just moved to college, and I had a lot of sex when I was at home. Um, I lived in a major metropolitan city, and I had a lot of sex. Um, at one point, I was having sex five out of seven days a week, all generally with different guys, which I know isn't really the safest thing to do, but I always use protection. I was always safe. I made sure that, that I covered my ass. Um, that being said, I came to college now, and I met somebody on one of those online sites, um, you know, the man out of the Adam for Adam. I met him. Uh, we talked since the first day I got here, and I've been here for about two and a half, maybe a month and a half, two months, and we've been talking ever since. It's weird for me because it's developing into a relationship. Um, I'm an 18-year-old gay male, and I've never had a boyfriend or um, anything remotely like that, and this is what it's becoming, and it scares the shit out of me. Um, I feel myself pushing him away and saying things that I shouldn't, that I don't necessarily feel, but I'm afraid. I'm so scared. I don't know if I, I don't, I'm just afraid that I'm going to fuck this up. So what do I do? How do I stop myself from pushing him away? I'm not, I, I don't know if I'm ready for a relationship. I'm 18. I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know how I feel about, I, I like him, but I don't know how I feel about a relationship. So what do I do? The only way to figure out if you're ready for a relationship is to have one and see. A boyfriend isn't a tattoo you're getting on your face. It's not forever. It's not permanent. You can risk dating him, letting yourself like him, hanging out with him, even having sex with the same person more than once, and then see where it goes. And you say you're pushing him away because you're afraid you're going to fuck this up. Well, you fucked it up by pushing him away. Date him and then fuck it up the old-fashioned way. Fuck it up by dating and, and seeing if you're compatible sexually and emotionally and then seeing where it goes. And you're only 18 and it's only a boyfriend. It's only dating. You're acting like you're getting married or, or getting a tattoo on your fucking face. You're acting like there's some sort of permanence here that's so intimidating that you feel you must undermine it or sabotage it for fear that if you take on the awesome responsibility that is your first boyfriend at 18, that you'll never get out from under this awesome responsibility. Blah, blah, blah. Stop being such a drama queen. It's just a boyfriend. People acquire them and people deacquisition them all the fucking time. And if it doesn't work out, you can deacquisition him and go back to fucking 100,000 people if that's what you want to do and I don't recommend it. Or move on to the next boyfriend. That's what people do at your age. And uh, don't inflate it into some big melodrama. It's, don't make it something that it's not. It's just a boyfriend. And you can have him. Uh, and if it doesn't work out, you can move on. Hey, Dan. Um, I'm calling just because I need you to clear my conscience. Because I'm not sure if I was the douchebag here or if she was. I'm... Uh, I'm a 23-year-old lesbian, um, and I just recently left a relationship that was got really serious really fast. Um, we were together just over three months. The girl I was with um, was bipolar. She was medicated, and she's generally fairly stable, with a few exceptions. Um, all of a sudden, in the last week we were together, she was getting really, really depressed and really, really bad again. She was saying she was concerned about hitting rock bottom and had a talk with me about how she was concerned that she didn't want to put me through this, that she wasn't sure she could be in a relationship right now because of all the shit she was going through and might need out. She asked me what my opinion was on it, and I said, well, and, well basically my opinion well, didn't really matter, did it? It's 
on whether or not she can be in a relationship right now is the issue. Um, she said, well, let's go think about it, give each other some space. We gave each other some space, in which we didn't speak for about, you know, 24, 48 hours. I had things I wanted to say. So I sent her a text and said, look, I really want to talk because I felt that it was bullshit that she was saying she wanted to protect me and didn't want to put me through this. And you know, I didn't want her to pretend she was protecting me and martyr herself and all this shit. Um, I wanted to say these things to her, probably with a fewer swears and a little less hostility. I composed a long, thought-out, adult-sounding email, sent it to her. I told her, you can read this if you don't. If you want to, you don't have to. If this is violating the space you need, then don't read it. She read it. And became furious with me, um, but I used the word martyr. Um, she called me. I missed the call. I must be a voice on which she was yelling and screaming about how she couldn't believe she was ever with a person and how I was comparing her to my ex-girlfriend, which I never did. I never mentioned my ex-girlfriend. Um, and all kinds of things. And never to speak to her again and all sorts of shit. Um... I couldn't, you know, and for me to leave, bring her stuff by her house and leave it on her porch, which I did with a little note that said goodbye. I hope you get better. I hope you get happy. Um, she texted me the next morning and said, the letter you left was not read. When I said I didn't want you to contact me, I meant it. Um, and so she's basically running around, of course, on the Internet, making as big of a scene as possible, saying things on LiveJournal and unfriending a mutual friends of ours on Facebook because they're friends with me. And just, you know, making sure everyone knows she thinks I'm a bitch because I asked her not to paint herself as a martyr. That's it. That's, it. that's the only thing she seemed to be upset about. So I didn't want you to... Is that some sort of word that I should not throw around? Like, was I being a bitch or is she overreacting and unstable and I'm better off? Am I right in thinking that I'm not a bitch and that she is unstable and I'm glad this is over. Bitch be crazy. Bipolar on meds, depressed bitch be crazy. Who knew? Who could have thought, who could have predicted that bipolar bitch on meds be crazy? Uh, look, here's what happened. She wanted out. She didn't want to see you anymore. And first she tried to play the compassion card. She was only concerned for you. It was all about her feelings for you. It was an overabundance of concern for you that led her to want to end things. And you didn't take the fucking hint and go away. So she latched onto the email, which sounded perfectly rational and totally within your rights. You have a right to communicate with people that you are seeing, even if you're taking a little break. She latched onto that email as an excuse to go absolutely apeshit on your ass and be rid of you by sort of inflating, you know, building it up into this huge violation uh, of her uh, on your part. And now it's this big sort of all-consuming drama that's spilling out into all your relationships and, you're, you're, you know, taxing the patience of your mutual friends and la, la, la. That's what happened. Bitch be crazy. But you knew that going in. Uh, I encourage you in future not I'm not saying don't date bipolar people or people on meds or whatever but don't date crazy bitches and not all crazy bitches are bipolar and on meds and not all bipolar and on med bitches are crazy but this bipolar on meds bitch was and now that you know what a bipolar bitch crazy bitch looks like that'll give you the sort of skills uh, and insight to avoid the crazy bitches in the future and if she's going to play these games with your friends on Facebook and 
talk about you know th- this horrible thing you did in sending this email. I would feel free if I were you to post that email to your live journal or to Facebook and let your mutual friends judge for themselves if it was really uh, as cruel a-, a violation as she's insisted that it was. Good luck. Hi, Dan. I'm a 24-year-old straight girl. Uh, just moved to a new city where I have a bunch of friends um, from college and stuff. Um, in general, things are going well, but here's my problem. All of my friends here are couples, and I'm the only single person of the group. <laughs> I've been single for over three years now, so I'm kind of used to being the third wheel, and I'm really happy for all of them, and I really love them. They're great. Um but I'm starting to get kind of sad hanging out with them, and I'm starting to feel a little resentful of what they have. Um, so I've tried being proactive about my loneliness. I've tried internet dating, asking friends if they know any single guys, even drunken hookups, despite the fact that I have trouble getting turned on when I've been drinking. Um, and, of course, I've been rejected from those attempts. Um, and I'm starting to accept the fact that, you know, life isn't fair, and not everybody finds someone love, um, but I'm still a sexual person, I've been frustrated for, you know, a while now, and I'm starting to consider, like, hiring someone to help me out here, or going on to that hookup section, infinite, <laughs> that infamous hookup section of Craigslist, um, but I'm worried about how safe these options are, and I don't even know if I could afford it, um, so I have two questions for you. Um, one, what do you think I could expect from a Craigslist hookup or hiring a professional? Um, and two, how do I deal with this, you know, building resentment towards my happily paired friends without just dumping them? If hanging out with your happily paired friends is making you miserable, don't hang out with your happily paired friends or hang out with them less. Uh, you need to look around. Surely your friends who are coupled up have other friends who are not coupled up. It can't be just this closed society of uh, couples. You, you can't your, – your whole sort of community can't be like Noah's Ark with everybody paired off. And so they may have single friends and you should be proactive not about fucking their single friends but about approaching their single friends – and being hooked up with them as a friend to say to their perhaps single female friends, I'm single too. Let's get the fuck away from all these boring married couples and let's go hang out. Let's run around. Let's start a little posse of single people. You can – there's nothing pathetic about reaching out to people who are in the same situation you're in and, and offering your ear, your companionship, some camaraderie and having a singles-only dinner party at your place or a singles-only night out uh, with friends of friends or single people at work or wherever. Uh, I, I, I doubt that wherever you are, you are the only single person for a thousand miles in any direction. Go find the other single people. And I'm not talking about single guys. I think I'm talking about single girls here. And hang with them uh, and enjoy their company. And hiring. Well, hiring is weird. Uh there isn't really a huge market out there for uh, male prostitutes who service women. So, you know, since there isn't a lot of demand, there isn't much supply. Uh, there are a lot of guys out there who are straight or bi who are male escorts who would be perhaps delighted to uh, have a female client every once in a while. So your best bet is to go to a site like rentboy.com, which caters to gay men. And look around, and if you see somebody you like, send them an email uh, saying your situation and finding out if they are gay or identified or straight or bi and might be interested in a female client. 
Um, you want to then look at escort review websites, uh, which are out there, for, particularly for male escorts, so you can get a handle on whether somebody is safe and responsible and courteous and not a gouger or a user or a weirdo or a freak or a drug addict. Uh, and then you just have to, you know, use your common sense uh, if you're going to hire someone. You can also offer yourself up for free on websites like Craigslist and Adult Friend Finder. And there is such demand for women that you could possibly get uh, as much as you like for free if you take out that kind of personal ad. And who knows who you might meet? You might meet a doctor or a lawyer or an axe murderer or a rapist. So you have to be careful. If you're going to meet somebody, uh, whether they're paid escort uh, perhaps or uh, you know a casual no-strings-attached hookup via a website, you need to meet that person in public first. Uh, you need to have a real name. You need to have a real phone number. Uh, and again, meet them in public first uh, and have a date where you can sit and chat uh, and playing – immediately after the date is an impossibility. And remind yourself uh, in your loneliness that you're only 24. It's way too soon to give up on yourself or on love. Uh, you're wallowing in despair and self-pity right now. And that's fine. And, and we all get to do that from time to time. Remind yourself, though, that that's not very attractive. And you need to be a little more proactive about, again, hooking up with your single friends, getting out of the house, doing shit, putting yourself out there. Because uh, you're not going to meet anybody at home calling me and whining. Hi, Dan. I have a uh, comment regarding a question that was on um, most most recent podcast, 929, um, about the guy who has been, become a World of Warcraft widow. I, well, I am a World of Warcraft widow, and I just want to... Um, reinforce what you're saying. Dump the motherfucker. I did the same thing. I had to um, not only make him dinner, but planned the meals around his raids and all of that stupid bullshit. And eventually I got sick of it. And by the time I was 21, I was, I, I was gone. It was not worth it. And I have never made a better decision. Dump that motherfucker. Thanks. All right. Thanks very much for your call. Thanks for the comment. We're going to leave it there for the week. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question or a comment for a future show, please leave your number in case we want to call you back. We promise not to put it on the air. You download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com where you can read the Savage Love Letter of the Day. And me and the tech savvy at risk youth will be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading.